0: Thank you guys uh, for all the emails and the texts, most of which are sent during sermons. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not speechless a whole lot, so I'm not really good at what to say. Except, open your Bibles to the book of First Timothy, <clears throat> uh, chapter 5 is where we're going to be at this morning. Chapter What we're going to do, we're going to get through Timothy uh, before December, and then we're going to spend four weeks on Jesus becoming a man in the Christmas season. It'll be a good time together as a church family as we look at Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the things to be thankful for. We do love and appreciate community gospel, the ways that you guys are growing and uh, making Christ known near and far is is very near and dear to Bethany and I's heart. Uh, We're going to look at verse... 1 and 2 this morning, there's essentially four people uh, that we see that that Paul is going to start to unpack for Timothy this morning, and while the main thrust of the message is for a young pastor on how to deal with these four types of people, uh, especially those people who are caught up in sin. There's a lot of connotation here behind the text after a good amount of study on how to converse with one another, how to be tactful to one another, and how to approach one another in grace. Uh, if we look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1, we see that Timothy is speaking to Paul and he's going to say these things. He says, first of all, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers. So we see first and uh, foremost that Timothy is going to get a little bit of a glimpse on what personal life is like and ministry is like, dealing with all sorts uh, of different types of people. Paul moves to this advice because it's so important on how he communicates when somebody's caught in the snares of sin. And while the passage is for a young pastor, it also is to the people who are making Christ known near and far. And it's... uh, It serves as a guide on how we are to communicate with one another, like I said. But when somebody's caught up in sin, we can't stress that enough. Is that these four types of people, especially those people you'll find in the church, he's talking about what you do when they're caught up in sin, when they have a sin issue. Something's wrong. Not a personal issue, but a sin issue, okay? We have to remove our preferences and look at our practices and whether they're lining up with scripture or not. And he says, Timothy, these are people you're going to encounter. Community Gospel Church, these are people you're going to encounter. When they're caught up in sin and they have a struggle, this is how you are to approach them. First one, he says, is the older men. Older men is translated literally in the Greek, old man. He's old. Okay? He says, this is somebody who's an older man. Somebody who is well in their years. <laughs> if you would, right? Doesn't need a whole lot of commentary there. But we could go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14 and see that the older men were those that laid hands on Timothy, that commissioned him uh, into the ministry. Those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and have committed uh, to be obedient to Jesus by getting baptized. Uh, Maybe an older man, as you were walking out of the baptismal and down after church service was over had an encouraging word for you or said something encouraging to you or had the ability to speak some sort of truth from Scripture into your life that, that mattered to you. And if they didn't, they should have. And he says these older men, according to Titus chapter 2 verse 2, they should be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and in steadfast. He says, Timothy, these are the older men that you're going to encounter in the ministry. And he says, church, you're going to encounter these men <coughs> in the ministry. He says, you're going to see some of these people in your everyday life. What are you supposed to do if you see these people who are caught up in sin? He says, first and foremost, don't roughly rebuke them. He says, don't, you gotta, You got to be careful here. Don't roughly rebuke them. Literally, that means strike not hard upon. Now, I don't know about you, but I I haven't hit a whole lot of old men lately. (laughs) Okay? I haven't been in that situation, all right? And it's amazing when we study scripture that there were probably people who were rebuking older men by hitting them. Not cool. (laughs) He says, don't strike them or be rough with them. If older men are caught in sin, they should be reprimanded, but not sharply, but gently. What are you talking about, Paul? What, do you, what, do you, what does that look like for everyday life? He says, "Well, second thing would be that you don't roughly rebuke them; you gently exhort them or encourage them. Okay, another way for encouraging them back onto the right path. You got some older men who maybe are off the path, not sober-minded, or dignified, or self-controlled, or sound in faith, love, and not being very steadfast in their walk with Jesus." means give them some help. If an older man was gently rebuked, he was then to be encouraged. Perhaps this was because older men did things once with ease, but now they find it more difficult than they did when they were in their youth. And I see that happening a lot. My uh, dad's brother, his name's Dave, I love him immensely, but never get into a discussion with politics with Uncle Dave, it doesn't work out well. He says things he doesn't mean and talks about politicians that uh, just are absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh, but his tact is somewhat gone out the window. And it's funny, whenever we get in those conversations, he says those exact words. He says, Jordan, it was easy for me when I was a young man. It's now changed. It's a little bit difficult for me as an older man. And he's well into his 70s and 80s. <clears throat> George Burns once said, <laughs> I love this illustration. He said, tennis is a good game for young people. Until age 25, you can play singles. From there, until age 35, you should play doubles. And I won't tell you my age, but when I played, there were 28 people on the court. <laughs> and that was on just one side of the net. We know that there's going to be older men who are going to be caught up in they're going to, you know, lose a battle to the flesh. When that happens, if you know of somebody who's an older man who's caught in the snares of sin, don't roughly rebuke them. Be gentle with them. Encourage them back to the way. For Timothy and for the other younger men, approaching older men meant be graceful and gracious in your rebuke. Encourage them as opposed to younger men. We'll talk about that. And I think one of the things that comes down application-wise is encouraging, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but we need to be encouragers. That the path that Jesus Christ has laid out for us, it's possible to walk on that path. And while we're going to stumble along that path, we need to encourage our brothers and sisters to stay on that path and make sure that we live out the faith that we profess in obedience because people are watching, right? Be sensitive in the process of getting older, young Timothy in church. Tumbling to know what was once easy may now be a little bit difficult, so be honest gentle with them. <clears throat> to be honest, but, but gentle. So he says that's how you deal with older men. <laughs> and he says, do not rebuke older men but encourage him you get that as, as a father. Okay. And I don't know if you had a good father or a bad father, but treat them as a good father. Then he says second part of the verse, right? He says, now there's a difference between being an older man and, and a younger man. If we were to look, especially in the Jewish faith, okay, and the audience that is being given this message, okay? An older man, somebody probably 60s, older, anybody under 60s would be this younger man that he talks about. Younger men, you need to do something as, as a brother, peer-to-peer. So we see younger men, okay? First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. Now what do you do with a younger man who's caught in the snares of sin? What do you do with that guy? Well, the older guys are going to see that they need more encouragement. The younger guys... Sometimes the younger guys need a little bit more of a, of a bite. So opposite of the older men, younger men could be dealt with somewhat more directly when they were entangled in sin and in rebuke and their encouragement. <clears throat> Timothy was to do a couple of things. And we're going to take a culmination of First and 2 Timothy as well as Paul's teachings and we're going to summarize all those things right here. As we approach people who are our same age, our brothers in Christ. Now, women, be very careful to reprimand a brother in the Lord. As a matter of fact, it is better for you to remove yourself and have another guy come and talk to that man. Okay? It is, it is crucial, especially after what we just talked about from chapter 3 and chapter 4. That this is brother to brother stuff. When we see... A younger man who is caught in the snares of sin. The first thing that we have to do, according to what Paul says, in the summary of all of the things that he has taught in the Bible, as well as Jesus' teachings in the Gospel, is the first thing you're to do is you're to examine yourself. Before you go and openly rebuke somebody who's caught in the snares of sin, you have to do some examination yourself. And we're going to do that here this morning before we take the Lord's table. Examine yourself. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. The first thing that I'm going to ask if I have a brother who's caught in sin, and I've got a couple of them in my life right now who are just completely entangled in sin, is my motivation for their correction completely bathed in love? And to be completely honest with you, a lot of times it's not. I just want them to change. And when I come, if I refuse to examine myself and my motives, if they're not in love, and I just go attacking them, they'll see it, and the gospel of Jesus Christ just gets completely destroyed. i got to spend some time in prayer and study to see if God is truly directing me to correct my brother in the Lord who's caught in sin. Who is it in your life who's caught in sin? Brother, I'm talking to the guys here. Who is it in your life... Who has made a declaration? I know Jesus Christ. I know who He is. I've confessed in my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. But yet, I'm choosing to be disobedient to Jesus. And you know that you're supposed to go. And you're supposed to talk to this individual. And you're supposed to have a conversation with this individual. But the first thing before you have that conversation is: is your motive love for your brother? Is it love? The second thing that Paul would say, according to the summary of all the things that we've studied, especially in the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, is not only are you supposed to examine yourself, but you need to say something. Paul's quick to say something. Matter of fact, young men who are caught in of sin I mean, Paul, 1 Corinthians, he just starts throwing it out there. You guys have sexual problems, Corinthian church. And, and It's wrong. And he examined himself, it's totally in love, it's for the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that he would be made known, not Paul, not James, not any of the any of the disciples. He says, No, listen to me. You guys are caught in sin, and I want the best for you. I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you, I want to build you up, but I can't do that if you're still submitting to these things. Say something. Oftentimes we're silent because we worry about offending and losing friendships. Guys, listen to me just for a second. If you're a real friend, you got a brother who is caught up in the snares of sin, you will risk the relationship to save his life. You'll risk everything. You'll risk that relationship to save that man's life. you got somebody in your life who's living in an adulterous relationship. you got somebody in your life who's struggling with pornography, you've got somebody in your life, I'm talking to the guys here, if you know a brother who's caught up in those things and you know your attitude is going to be in love to approach them, say something. For the love of God, open your mouth. Don't be silent on those things. we got to be concerned about God's approval. And loving rebuke is an act of love. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 27. It's better as an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'm going to wound you just a little bit because I want Jesus Christ to be honored and glorified. Younger men, you're supposed to act this way. What if I say something? Do I just say, Jordan, I me, what do I do? Do I just go, hey, man, you got to stop looking at pornography, Bob? It's wrong. Hey, you can't go drinking yourself into a stupor anymore. I mean, last night you ended up in the street, it was bad. what am am I supposed to do? Where do I go? Do I just say it? Do I just open my mouth? That's a good question. It always points back to the gospel first and foremost. You pledge to know Jesus? Do you pledge to know Jesus? When I got a brother who's struggling with sin, caught in the snares of sin, first thing I ask him is, have you made a declaration of faith? Oh yeah, Jordan, no man declaration of faith. Okay, do you want to honor Jesus Christ with all you think, say, or do, or do you want to disobey Him? Yes or no? I want to obey Him. Okay, well what you're doing right now is not in obedience to Jesus Christ. It's going to ruin you. I say it because I love you. I go back to my dad. Spent 27 years as a pastor of the same church. Saw a guy at the gas station. Comes up to him. Perfect example of this. Say, We'll call him Bill. Bill. I just want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Can you? know I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You know that. You made a profession that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You fully obeyed him by by being baptized. Yeah, I did not. You want to honor God with all that you think, say, and do? Yeah, I want to do that. Then answer me a question. Why are you sleeping around on your wife? Gas starts spilling onto the floor. Right? The guy looks back at him and he's, I wish the story had a better ending. He looks back at him and he says, Ken, how dare you say that to me? Gets in his car after paying for his gas and leaves. Willing to risk it all? Are we willing to risk it all for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's not me you're hurting. It's not. It has nothing to do with my life. It has everything to do with the way you are. You're showing and radiating Jesus. When Paul rebukes, as we said, the Corinthian church, he started with hope, grace, gave correction from Scripture, and then he lets the people go with hope. First Corinthians chapter one verse four. I give thanks to my God always. That you, because of the grace of God, was given to you in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And what you have received, go now live that way. Tolkien said it may be the part of a friend to rebuke a friend's folly. That's a question. Men, younger men who are gathered here this morning. You got a brother who's entangled with sin? Maybe needs some rebuke and encouragement. Are you concerned about his health and his faith? Let me give you a couple other considerations. They're not in your outline, just some things to think about. If God's calling you to confront, do it privately. (laughs) Please don't do it in public, okay? Do it privately. Be quick. Tackle one issue at a time. Watch your sarcasm, your repetition, and your absolutes. For some reason, we just get on the bus where we just continue to tell people over and over and over and over and over again, right? Okay, you correct it. Move on. Fix it, right? goes back to the old saying, the old skit where you got a guy who walks into the counselor's office. He sits down and tells him his problem. He says, what do I do? He says, stop it. He says, well, but you don't understand. I got this and this. He says, stop, stop it. He says it over and over and over again. It's, it's hilarious. I'm sure you find it funny too. Look, go ahead. Titus says, Titus chapter 1, verse 13. <clears throat> it's not up there. <laughs> rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith. Here we go. First <clears throat> Timothy chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers. Number two, older women, you're to treat as your mom. How many of you guys love your mom? I love mom. She's fine. Younger women as sisters in all purity. What do I do when women are God sin? Now, guys, this is hard, okay? we got to be really careful men here. Women, now we're going to talk to you just for a little bit. This is what you do when you have an older woman who's God's sin. Older women in the congregation to receive the same respect that Timothy had for his own mother. Her name is Eunice. Also, a lot of the principles from the older men carry into the older women. 2 Timothy said she was a woman, uh, Timothy's mom, was a woman of sincere faith, much like her grandmother. So Timothy was to honor the older women for their age and all that they'd done for Jesus Christ in their life. If an older woman had sinned or was caught up in sin, it was to be handled with great tenderness and respect. And one commentary pointed out, this is no easy task. Who wants to go tell their mom they're living in sin? I know, some of you guys have that issue. Who has to go to an older woman and say, hey, listen, the things that you're doing are not what you once did. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more who are dying for a little love. And I think the older women would really resonate with that. They're having just as much trouble as the older men of what was once easy to do in their youth and they it's, it's a hard, hard thing what once came very easy for them in their childhood or, or in their teenage years or their middle adult years is now extremely difficult for them and so they should be handled with great tenderness and respect due to their sincere faith many older women did not need rebuked but they just simply needed encouraged and if you're part of our older congregation I just want to encourage you this morning that you you guys are doing a great job here Those of you who consider yourself older men and women, you're self-classified, right? We don't classify you as that. You guys do that. You guys love the Lord. You love Jesus. And it's awesome that we we were studying this passage and and looking at it. And I said, man, I I don't really have any of my older congregation that is caught up in the snares of sin. But maybe some of you in our older congregation, maybe you have some friends that are in that boat. Be tender with them, respect them, encourage them, love them. Paul and Timothy both knew that their life of godly service held the keys to nurturing and teaching younger women. And one of the things that Paul and Timothy were both big on was that the older women had an opportunity to really pour into the younger women. Because then the younger women could take what those older women had taught them about having sincere faith and pour it into their home and their kids. And give them the opportunity for the greatest mission field on planet earth, which is in our homes. He says, listen, Timothy and congregation, if you see an older woman who's caught up in sin, love her back to the path so that she can pour her life into somebody who is younger. So that that younger woman has the opportunity to raise her children in the ways and the words of the Lord. Titus chapter two, three and five. Oh, you need that. Yeah, you need that. No, that's what you write that down. (laughs) Look at what Titus says. Older women likewise are to be reverent. They are to teach what is good. Now, notice this, they're to go find and teach. Okay? Find older women. Find a younger woman, pour into her life. Love her to death. I got two older guys who pour into my life. Man, I love them. And the crazy thing is, they're always calling me. They're always emailing me, usually in the middle of sermons. (laughs) And and they're doing the heavy lifting. And I I fall short all the time with my relationship with them. Because I forget. I'm so busy. I'm a younger man. I'm so busy. It's not an excuse. It's just where I'm at. And they take the time to email. and and They don't text a whole lot. Usually they call. (laughs) at dinner time, because that's right before they go to bed. <laughs> Don't hate me. Come on. It's just a joke. And they do the heavy lifting. And they, they call, and they say, Jordan, I, I just want to encourage you. I want They do what? The teaching. And, and they do the work. Right? Teach what is good. So train the young women to love their husbands and children. Be self-controlled. Pure working at home. Side note. When I'm an older man, I'm going to bed at six. Okay? <laughs> kind and submissive to their own husbands at the Word of God. Notice the last part of the verse. Don't miss the last part of the verse. Uh, so that the word of God may be read. That's huge. Look what it points back to. The very end of Titus chapter 2. Goes back to the gospel. Points back to the gospel. Okay. Older one. <clears> 1 <throat> Timothy chapter 5, second part. What do we do with the younger women? Now, same kind of holds true with younger women as it holds true with the younger men. Guys, if you have a woman who's caught in the snares of sin, find a woman, a godly woman, who's that woman's age, and and let her handle the issue. Because the worst thing that can happen is when we handle issues with younger women as guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but women are, are very emotional human beings. It's the way they're it's the way they're built. It's not anything wrong with it, it's just the way that they are. Most of them. I understand there's always you know things that, that are different. But anyway, be very careful, older men, dealing with these younger women. As a matter of fact, send somebody else because you don't want to get caught up in that. Okay? <laughs> no, no, no. You took me wrong. <laughs> When a woman has a problem, there's nothing wrong with this. When a woman has a problem, she emotionally attaches herself to whatever is curing that emotional attachment. And sometimes, unfortunately, relationships happen because of that. We do not want older men, or younger men, excuse me, to get into relationships that are not of their own marriage with younger women. So there are times in the church where I send Bethany and I say, hey, I got, I got a lady in the church, she's, she's dealing with something, I know she's dealing with something. Her husband and I have been talking, I need you to come and, and to encourage her and kind of bring her back on the path, okay? And do that for protection, all right? Much like older women, younger women are to be treated with respect, absolute purity. So women, when you go after these, these females who are caught up, when you rebuke, no harsh or severe language should be used. Because the reputation of the church and yourself is on the line. And there's a lot of, when that correction happens, be very careful with, with, yeah, I agree. Or, yeah, I know what you're going through. No. Same with younger men to younger men. Man, I, I got this issue, I got this problem. I don't want to jump in your boat with you and both of us go down sinking. I want to bring us back to the gospel and raise the bar back up. That's what Timothy's telling the women to do. You handle them with mildness, gentleness, and affection in rebuke and encouragement. Listen, women, if you're going to another girl who's caught up in the snares of sin, for the love of all that's holy, put your hand on her shoulder. Not guys, girls. My, my wife, her love language is touch. I clean the whole house. As she comes home, all she wants is just hug me, just love me, just tell me that I'm worth it. Right? Just, just, I mean, be affectionate to them. And again, kind of in regards to the older woman, rebuking a younger female is not an easy task. They should be handled with absolute purity and rebuking a sister caught up in sin. No word, look, action should be interpreted as giving evidence for an improper motive or feeling. But all goes back to the edification of Jesus. Look at the <clears throat> younger one. There you go. I'm pretty sure you already figured that out. You're smart people, right? Look what he says. The young women are to love their husbands and their children. It's their first call after coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ladies, you are called to love your husbands and your children well. Be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, so the word of God may be. Okay. Constantly point the woman's command from God. Why do we do these things? Because we want you to be honoring to the gospel, obedient to Jesus, not caught in the snares of sin, which cause trials and troubles, but be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Some of you are singing the song. <laughs> hey, I don't know self-control all of them. This is what Paul says. Let me ask just a really open question. And I had to ask the same thing. Who's in your life that has the issue? <laughs> and if you can't think of somebody, it's probably you. Right? Who's the older man, the younger man, the older woman, the younger woman? I, I studied this passage and I looked at it and I thought to myself, wow, all of us who are gathered in the congregation have all of these people in our life. We have older men, younger men, older women, younger women. They're all there, and which one of them is caught in the snares of sin? How do we respond to that? What are we supposed to do there? <clears throat> what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to do these things. Okay? Examine yourselves. Where are you at? And what needs to be done? Interesting. <clears throat> Interest. Okay, so, that's where Paul learns. Normally we pray after it's over and everybody says, lunch, um, but we're going to do the Lord's table this morning, <clears throat> and we need to talk about that just a little bit. Go to Matthew chapter 26, if you would. Hopefully, um, that, that message has some feet after you leave here this morning. I pray that you take some of those things and just, just think about them and ponder them. If you go to Matthew chapter 26, verse Uh, you'll see the institution of the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper is also called communion and we want to take times here and the 4th and 5th graders are going to come back in and um, we think it's really good Jess and I have talked immensely about it meeting for 5 minutes About the importance of our our younger individuals being able to take communion with their parents. Also something to think about if you have an individual who's in the children's ministry who has confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord we keep the elements out, you can come and take communion with them after service is over. Communion is also called the Lord's Supper a church ordinance. It serves as a reminder of three things. First of all, the death of Jesus Christ. Second of all, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And third, a return of Jesus Christ. Amen? Woo! Okay, we get excited about this. Stuff. Before the fifth graders are back, so they're going to start talking back to me here in a second. When we see the Lord's Supper, especially communion, first of all, it started with Jesus, okay? And the reason it starts with Jesus is Jesus does three things. Or he does five things, excuse me, three of which we're going to do today. Her, man, I'm off. Uh, he does five things, three of which we're going to do today. I probably already said that. Whatever, you, you got it. First thing we see, and we'll just read the passage of scripture. 26. Now, as they were eating, who's that? The, and, good. Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. We would say it's good to pray before you eat, just something to consider. And said, take, eat, eat, this is my body. He took a cup where he had given thanks, probably wine. We don't use wine today in the church. Um, unless you're in the back. Um, which everybody moves to the back. For this is my blood of the covenant, which was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until that day. when I drink it new with you and my Father's kingdom. We see that death, resurrection, and then hope of eternity to come. He does... Five things, three of which we'll do today. First of all, he gave bread. The disciples were given probably a loaf of bread. They took off small pieces. Jesus gave thanks for it. Probably held his hands up in the air when he did it. And then distributes it out. And they take a piece of bread and it was, it was passed out. He says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is a symbolic representation of Jesus' body. That was offered. There is nothing magical that happens this morning at Community Gospel Church where that bread and that grape juice turns into the body and blood of Jesus. Know that this is a symbolic representation and a remembrance for the church. Second thing he does, gives a cup. Probably one cup. We choose not to do that at Community Gospel Church for sanitary reasons. You're welcome. (laughs) He gives a cup. After the bread was taken, Jesus took the cup and he says, This is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. The third thing he did is they sang a hymn. Verse 30. They sang together. Two other items are mentioned. We do these on Easter. He washes his feet and they eat together. After this is over, what happens is Jesus goes out into the night of the Mount of Olives. He's betrayed as predicted by Judas. And then he is crucified. In the days to come. The Lord's Supper is found in four places. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 26, 14, 22, 13. Paul also writes about it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. He says, whoever eats of the bread. Or drinks of the cup in the Lord. In an unworthy manner. Will be guilty of sinning against the body. And blood of the Lord. The communion ceremony, if you will, for lack of a better word, is for those who have done what Romans chapter 10 tells us to do. Romans, actually 8, 9, and 10, if you were to be honest. Confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. We have entered into a relationship with Jesus. And therefore, Paul continues, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior here this morning, Do not take of the Lord's Supper unless you have made the decision to commit your life to Christ. It's very, very, very important that if we do these things without a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are drinking judgment on ourselves. Accept Christ this morning if you have not done so. Here's how we observe the Lord's Supper here at Community Gospel Church, or Communion. first thing we want to do is we want to take a moment to remember... I think the disciples didn't understand all of the connotations about the things that were going to happen with Jesus. Jesus comes and he's sitting at the table and he starts breaking off bread. And they look at him kind of probably cross-eyed a little bit. What's he doing? He starts going around. But no doubt after the Acts church had been established, the Christians who were gathered there knew now what was happening with the disciples. And so they took a moment. And we should do the same, to remember what the Lord's Supper is all about. Not in an unworthy manner, but a worthy manner. They weren't to disregard the true meaning of the bread and the cup, forgetting what a tremendous price Jesus paid for our relationship with Him. If we do anything well this morning, we should take a moment to remember that Christ died, according to the Scriptures, First Timothy. Christ rose, according to the Scriptures, First Timothy, for our sins. And is he's going to come back again. We observe that death and resurrection through this participation. Second thing. We observe it's important through the confession of sin. Now we know that once we come into the relationship with Jesus Christ, we're ushered into the family of God. Jesus forgives our sin past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus Christ is a remission of sin. Sin But we know we are still in a battle with the flesh. And we know sometimes we fall short of being fully obedient to Jesus Christ. So before we participate in the communion, we ask Jesus to forgive our sins. We're still in the family if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it is good to ask for forgiveness for the things in which we are still struggling with. In keeping Paul's instruction, we examine ourselves before eating the bread, drinking the cup. And then third, we take the elements. And we're going to do this together today. The ushers are going to come forward and they're going to serve you. I ask that you would hold the bread in the cup and we'll take it together as a family. As soon as everybody has the elements. And like we said before, Jesus uses two symbols in this. The cup is sitting in your hand and the bread is sitting in your hand. And you're remembering and confessing. Remember this too as well. Jesus declared the bread he spoke of was his body. It was to be broken. Broken meaning so badly tortured that it was hardly recognizable. The wine he spoke of his blood indicating a terrible death he would experience for the remission of sins. It is a celebration as well. That Jesus is the perfect Son of God. He is a fulfillment of countless Old Testament prophecies concerning a Redeemer. The Old Testament longed. The people of the Old Testament longed for the Messiah to come. They longed for this Jesus to come. And then Christ comes. And the amazing thing is He does it at Passover. He institutes the Lord's Supper at Passover. Which was a time where they were remembering Jesus's, or God's sovereignty when the Israelites put blood over their doorposts and they would be passed over. Their kids would not be killed from the last plague. And Jesus says, Now, you who enter into my relationship, you who confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that I am King of kings and Lord of lords, who accept the free gift of the Holy Spirit and eternity of life live with me, I will not pass over you. I will accept you. And I will call you home the day in which I come. He says, do this in remembrance of me and indicated a ceremony that was to be continued. A new covenant to replace an old covenant. Jesus was a lamb that was slain for our sins. Much like in the Old Testament, the lambs, many that were slain. He is a permanent offering he's a permanent sacrifice he's not a temporary solution if you know the Lord as Savior if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord you are welcome to the communion table this morning if you haven't before these elements hit your hand confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord there is no other relationship in the whole entire world that is more important than your relationship with Jesus. He's the creator, he's the sustainer, he is the Almighty. He he can't be put into words. And so many of us here in this place have seen the hand of God work and move in our life. Like I said, the elements are coming up, and I'm gonna ask Becky to come up and take a moment to remember Christ's sacrifice. Confess your sins. As soon as everybody has ailments, we'll take them. And then we're going to sing to celebrate the Lord's sacrifice as well as his return together. Ushers, if you would come at this time. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.